Hello, this is Pastor Galen from the First Nazarene Church in Chicago, and welcome to our podcast. Hey, before we hear the message today, I simply wanted to say that no matter where you're at, we're glad that you're listening today. We hope this message will inspire you, instruct you, and help you grow in your relationship with Jesus. And if you live in the Chicagoland area, maybe this is the first step for you joining us in person sometime. Or if you want to, you can always check out our online live services every Sunday on our website at firstnaz.cc. Thanks again for joining us. Enjoy the message. Good morning and welcome to First Nazarene. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for being a part of our church, of our community. Uh, I hope you enjoyed Thanksgiving. Uh, You hopefully got together with friends and family and eat and watch some football and sit around and enjoy the company of each other. I hope that you enjoyed it. I know for me, Thanksgiving morning, I woke up and just like I told you to do last Sunday, you know, I try to like practice what I preach, right? I sat down and began to list the things that I was thankful for. And when you live far away from family, uh, like my wife and I do, uh, you really rely on the church to become your family. Jesus says brothers and sisters, family language. And so as I was thinking, God, many of you came to mind. And I'm so thankful uh, for this church, and in particular in this season, that we are a church not of consumers, Like, this is about me, what can I get for it? I'm here for me. But rather, we are a church that is actively engaged in serving. We are contributors. Uh, Even just last week was the only one week we were saying, hey, partner with us in serving and living lives of generosity for others this Christmas uh, by the Christmas tree, the gifting tree, where we're giving uh, Christmas gifts uh, to kids in Chicago in partnership by the hand, or bringing a warm coat uh, for those who may need it this Christmas. We only said that last week, and there are already 130 kids that will get Christmas presents this year just because of you as a church. And there's still more out there after service. Pastor Phil's by the white tree, by the coffee, um, and you can pick up if you haven't had a chance to do that. Both those coats and those are uh, gifts are back due back in two weeks. Man, I'm thankful for a place where we're actively looking out towards others and serving them. Uh, and I love that we get a chance to be a part of that. Uh, if you are new to our church, thank you so much for being here today. My name is Galen. I'm the, uh, the lead pastor pastor here, and I'm excited that you've joined us today. Today we're beginning this new series called Finding Light in the Dark, and I know it's a little confusing. There's Christmas stuff everywhere. You come and you see the star. Hopefully you walked in the room and you're like, ah, Christmas, and I love Christmas, but in the church, this is a season that we call Advent, Advent is actually a time of waiting, a time of longing, a time of expecting Christmas to come, but also saying it's not quite here yet. And so we're waiting for it to come. And this, this series that we're beginning today, Finding Light in the Dark, what we're doing as a church community is recognizing that this is a dark world that we live in, Yet Jesus is the light of the world, as John says. And finding and experiencing, even for ourselves, that we can experience hope and peace and love and joy through Jesus, even in the midst of a dark world. If you look at the world today, you look at the different movements that have happened throughout history, I would say that the sexual revolution of the 60s has failed catastrophically, given 60 years to play out in our society. It's led to physical, mental, and our societal health being worse because of those ideals. Progressivism is failing. 
Some of you believe we're the most progressive society that's ever lived on the face of the planet, and even if that were to be true, is it working? You look in our country today and you see that one in every five adults, 20%, one out of every five people in the room are struggling with mental health. Over 50 million in the U.S. alone. Suicide rates have never been higher. In the U.S. alone, a male will take his life every 14 minutes. While I'm preaching today, that would be two. Gun violence has always been on the rise. When you hear of another shooting, this time in Virginia, you think, honestly, we can become desensitized. We forget the names, we forget the locations, because here is another one. Or even closer to home, just in Chicago, just in this year, 621 victims of gun violence this year. It is a dark world. And some of you are like, Galen, I am very well aware of the darkness. I didn't come to church today to hear about the darkness. Give us some hope. But maybe even as you hear those things for you personally, you think, well, that's true, but that's still, you know, it's a societal level. It's a bigger level, and there's nothing I can do about that. And on one level, that is very true. I want to ask you, are you experiencing darkness in your own home, in your own soul? You know, I look at uh, the lot of the people that our church serves five mile radius or driving in 20 to 25 minutes to get here. And I think one of the things that our people or the people we're trying to reach suffer from is what I uh, keep referring to as suffering in silence. Because see, you can have a great home, a great car, a great career and kids and life is very pretty on the outside. You're all very pretty and handsome people. But yet, when, when you have the appearance of having it all together, when you know something's missing on the inside, when you know that there's just something off and you're asking questions like, was all of this really worth it? The sacrifice and what I've been living my life for and what I've been chasing after, it's not really providing me peace or contentment. I'm wondering about the larger questions of life. Yet you feel like you can't ask those questions or say something is wrong because then those that look at your life and see how perfect and beautiful a picture it is, will think less of you. So instead, you suffer in silence. Can I tell you that that darkness is isolating and lonely? And do not let it reign in your life. Come out of your silence and say, I have questions, and it's not okay. And I want to know answers. I want to seek. And I trust that if you're seeking and you seek Jesus, you will find not only the answers to those questions, but the answers to all of life as well. Finding light in the dark, and today specifically, finding hope in the dark, finding hope. I think we live in a world of diminishing hope. You know, I look at the little kids running around the lobby, man, they have such high hopes and big dreams. When I get older, I'm gonna do this, and what happens to us? We get a little older, and you know, we don't call it being like rigid or bitter. We just, we're more realistic, right? We kind of lose our sense of hope and wonder. I think of the uh, original people. Right before Jesus is born, you have God's people, the Jewish community, and they're looking at their history. Okay, so God is the God who loves us. He has come, he has drawn near. We have this story of the Exodus and bringing us out of Egypt. He's established his presence among us. He brings us into this promised land. Eventually, he gives us King David, who's an amazing king, and Jerusalem is where God's live, and he's blessing us, and we're blessing the whole earth, and man, God really loves us. This is incredible. But then the Babylonians come in, 
And they kidnap God's people. They burn down their city, kidnap them and take them into a foreign land in exile. And they're beginning to wonder, God, are you really real? God, do you really love us? How could you let this happen to us? And eventually they get brought back from exile. They rebuild the temple, but all the old timers are sitting around saying, you know, it's great, but it's not like it once was. God, do you really care? Are you really going to draw near and save us as you said that you would? And so they continue to live, and now the Romans come into power, and they oppress them, and heavy taxes, and they don't get to practice all the religious freedoms that they want to. And the Jewish people are saying, we have no God but God. Caesar is not God. We want to serve him, but Caesar's oppressing us. God, do you really care? God, I'm living in a time of hopelessness. Are you really going to come and save us? It's a time of hopelessness. And I want you to see today that I think what they believed, I want you to see for your own life too. I think in the midst of what seemed hopeless, in that very place, that's where we get the birth narrative of Jesus drawing near. God chose to act and come near. God is not a God who sits in heaven on a throne with his arms crossed and he's a mean mug on his face saying, you should do better. God is the God who acts in the midst of hopelessness to come near and to be present. And his presence changes everything. He draws near. New Testament says it this way. I love this verse. At one time, you were without Christ, without Jesus. You were aliens rather than citizens of Israel. You were strangers to the covenants of God's promises. There was one time in your life you didn't know anything about Jesus. You were far away from me. You didn't know all these amazing promises of who God is, who Jesus is, how he loves you, how he wants to forgive you, new life. You knew nothing of God's promise. In this world, you had no hope and no God. But now, thanks to Christ Jesus, you who were once so far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. He's saying in the midst of what was hopeless, you lived in this world without God and without hope. But even then, God sent his son, Jesus, to come, to live a perfect life, to die for our sin, to be raised to new life, to give us new life and relationship with him. Yes, once you were far away with no hope, but now you have been brought near because of what Jesus has done. Even when we read the Christmas story, and many of you have uh, read it, you'll be reading it with your family through the Advent calendars, or you'll hear it this Christmas season. You've got Mary and Joseph, and the angel shows up, at one point, the angel shows up to Joseph and speaks these words. He says, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus. And you see this little like footnote thing. If you've got your Bible open with you, there may be a footnote there. If you're reading it in the app, there may be a footnote. And the footnote explains that the name Jesus means God saves. Literally name the child who is God coming, this is what God wants to be named and known as among the people, God saves. God saves. And then it explains it. For he will save his people from their sins. And again in Matthew, his name will be the hope of the world. One quick verse for you to write down and memorize this week. If you remember none of those, this one's short and easy. Maybe Matthew 12, 21. And Jesus' name will be the hope of all of the world. 
today, as we look at hope, here's all I want to do. I want to share three things with you, three perspectives that have changed my life and how I view the future and how I view hope. I hope that God can use it to speak to you today wherever you are in the midst of whatever you are facing too. And from this verse, the first thing I want to share with you is Jesus is the hope of the world. I know many of you are church people. You have been walking with Jesus. You have been saved. Uh, You grew up in church going three times a week and potlucks and the whole ordeal. You've been a Christian longer than I've been alive and you know this Jesus. Yet I also know that every single week we have new people that come in here. They have questions, they have wondering, and they have doubts. They believe in God or a higher power. They would consider themselves spiritual. Yet they would also say, I don't have a personal relationship with this God who has created me. I don't see him at work in my life. I don't really talk with him or see his power evident in my life. And to those people, I would simply say this. I think there will come a point as you are living life that you will begin to wrestle with the bigger questions. Why am I here? What is this all really for? We're in the midst of something difficult. There has to be more than this, right? Somebody or something needs to come and help or save me. How do I define good and evil? It must come from something out beyond myself because when I define it for myself, when I define my own identity, it leaves me empty and broken and in the midst of that darkness that you described. And when you get to that point, and I think you will, because here's what I know. God has created us and designed us for a relationship with himself. So we will never be satisfied or fulfilled outside of that relationship with him. Our souls have been designed to know him. So if they don't experience life from him, they will not experience life at all. So when you get to that moment, I would ask you, turn to Jesus. His name is the hope of the world. He is not only the hope of the world for the way that the government should run and everyone turning and living selfless, loving lives towards God and one another, but he's the hope for us as individuals to personally change and transform us into the people that he has created us to be. I said, Jesus is the hope of the world, but I also said, and so much more. You see, originally when the people are waiting, God, will you come and save us? We read in this Old Testament all these promises of this one who will come and be the Messiah, the one who will save us. And so when they have the Roman oppressors above them, they're thinking, oh, Jesus, the Messiah is coming. He was born in Bethlehem. Finally, God has come to take action, and he is going to lead a military revolution. Go grab your swords. Go grab all your, we're going to go to Rome. We're going to take out Caesar, and he will finally set us free, right? That's their expectation of him. And Jesus says, I have come to save you, but it looks a little differently than you may have thought. I'm not leading just a political revolution for one time. No, I want to lead instead uh, a revolution that sets you free, Not from that government, but free from the sin that leaves you in bondage and in addiction and in your brokenness and in your darkness. I want to set you free, not just this one people against this one government, but all people for all time and all of history, that if you would turn to me, I can give you life. See, there's so much more than what they had thought. And the beauty behind this for me is this. It happens at an individual level too. I want you to think for a moment. When did you first give your life to Christ? When did you first say, Jesus, I accept you, I want the forgiveness of sins, and I want to live my life for you? For many of you, you, you were drawn to Jesus either out of fear or out of need. The fear of, I know one day I'm going to die, so where am I going to spend eternity? God, I, I want this life. 
or out of need. God, I need help with my addiction. God, I need help in this relationship. God, if you're there and if you're real and if you can change me, I need your help. And those things aren't wrong, but here's what I would say. God wants to save us, and he wants to do those things, but there's so much more. Church isn't something we come to, and I checked it off the list, so I feel like a good person now. At least I hope you don't feel that way. Church is where you come and to learn about the God who has created you, to grow in your relationship with him, so that his spirit may continually change and transform you to live differently in the world, loving God and serving others. So there's so much more, because as you begin to live for him, yes, I want to address those first things that you came to me about, but also I want to address everything. All of your rhythms, your habits, your patterns, the way you think about the world, the way you view people, everything. I want to do so much more within you. Jesus is the hope of the world. Secondly today, I would say, this hope is certain. This hope is certain. I want you to think for a minute. When you use the word hope in a sentence, what are you normally saying? Like, where does that come out? Maybe in this season, you know, I hope my kids come home for Christmas. Parents of young kids, I hope my kids sleep in tomorrow. I hope my boss gives me a raise or at least a Christmas bonus this year. I hope the Bears can win against the Jets. Please, Jesus. The Jets look so bad. Come on. I hope they can win. You see, when we speak of hope, it's normally wishful thinking of wanting. See what I mean? I hope it comes to pass. It's kind of a wish. Wishful thinking, I hope it happens. But I'm beginning to view hope a little differently. Before I get there, I'd also say this. Hope is what keeps us coming back. Think of sports for just a moment. Hope is what keeps us watching. In my opinion, the two most boring sports in the world, uh-oh, are baseball and soccer. And I had someone after first service, I am from Italy, you dare not speak against soccer. It is the greatest sport on the planet. Okay, okay, calm down, okay. Here's why I say that. Those games are entirely based in hope. The majority of the time, there's not really anything happening. But then five to seven seconds of joy, maybe two to three times a game, woo! And then it's right back to, oh, I wish something would happen. I wish it could come. And you're sitting and you're waiting and you're longing and it's based in, oh, maybe something could happen. Based in hope. I wish it could happen. Here's the change for me. Instead of viewing hope and our hope in Jesus in this way, I wish Jesus could do something for me? No. There's a hope that is certain. I begin to view hope in this way. I know a saving power is coming. If Jesus is the God who saves and Jesus is the hope of the world, I know it's certain. A hope is coming. Paul, when he's writing about hope, he writes some beautiful things in the New Testament. Paul's the guy who wrote two-thirds in the New Testament, inspired by the Spirit. He's writing about hope. And I think he has this perspective shift that I want us to experience too. When he's writing of hope, I think he begins to see things differently. He says, wait a minute, I think this God that we believe in is outside of time. So we experience time chronologically, but this was the God who existed before anything else existed. He spoke everything into being and everything to play out, and even if you dive deep into the science and scientists, you see that time is relative. This is the God who is outside of time. 
which means he knows what's going to happen at every moment in history. He hasn't determined that you will do this, because that would be cruel. There is no uh, room for love without free will. So God gives us the choice to choose. Do we love him back or do we not? Do we live for ourselves? But he knows what's going to happen at every moment. So this is what's beautiful. I think Paul looking at the scriptures is seeing, man, all throughout history, God is revealing what is going to come next. He's saying this Messiah will come. He's gonna be, town, he's gonna be born in a town called Bethlehem. He's gonna be in the line and the descendants of David. He knows what's gonna happen, so he's beginning to speak all of these promises. Over a thousand promises and the Old Testament that reveal who this Jesus will be. So that by the time Jesus is born, we can recognize and see, oh, this is God's anointed one, fully God, fully man, who has come to save the world, to set us free from our sin, to give us life and back into right relationship with God. We can see who this is. We can have relationship with him. But then, I think Paul keeps looking. He says, what else has God revealed about the future? And then we look, and if you don't know these promises, you need to. We see that at the end of time, Jesus will come back again. As we're longing and waiting for Christmas, we are longing and waiting for Jesus to return once more. And when Jesus comes back again, it's beautiful. He says, there'll be no more pain, no more sorrow, no more sickness or health, and no more death. These things are passing away. He'll wipe every tear from our eyes. He'll take this family he's been creating of brothers and sisters who love God and serve one another. We're not selfish, it's not in it for us, but because of what God has done for us, we live our life in the same way. So we're selflessly living in this community towards one another, experiencing and seeing God face to face and seeing goodness and righteousness and mercy and beauty and justice in the world. It's coming. And so Paul is saying, wait, God knows what's happening and he's good to his word, so if it's gonna happen, I know this is going to happen. It's not, I hope one day, maybe wishful thinking Jesus will do this. I know it will happen. And here's the huge thing. Our hope is not anchored in the present. Whatever we're feeling today, whatever we're experiencing today, that's not where our hope is found. Our hope is found that one day, God will make all things right. And if we have that hope in that future, it changes how we live now. It can give us a hope that is certain, that we know things will be different. Paul writes it this way, he says, this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us. He's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. If you read this backwards, Paul says, have you experienced the Spirit? Do you know that God loves you? Have you experienced his saving power, his grace? Do you know the peace, the contentment that he brings in your life? If you've experienced him at all, and at different points he writes, the Holy Spirit is the deposit of what is to come. So if you've known him and experienced him, then you can have a hope that is certain that God will make all things right. Not wishful thinking, but in certainty. A saving power that is coming. We view the world very differently because of this. The greatest moments of tragedy, the greatest moments of pain, the greatest moments when we're wondering, God, are you there? If we can have this hope, then we see that every moment of darkness or despair is actually the greatest opportunity for hope. When we see the world is wrong, it should point us to a world that is coming that is right. When we experience heartache and grief, it should point us to the God who will come and be the fulfillment of love for all of us. This hope is certain. 
And the last one for me today. This is the hope that gets us through. Hope can be an antidote to fear. It's the hope that gets us through. Let me ask you for a second. What are you afraid of in life? What are you afraid of? I'm sitting there uh, last night in one room uh, holding my four-month-old, actually four-month-old today, uh, little boy. I'm looking at him. I'm like, you're so beautiful. Man, you look like your father. No, that's, that's, not, that's not what I said. I'm looking at him. And then in the other room, I have my wife, who's 31, five-year-old daughter, and two-and-a-half-year-old daughter. And all of a sudden, I hear this blood-curdling shriek, scream of a noise from the other room. Ah! Spider! <laughs> it wasn't the two-and-a-half-year-old. It wasn't the five-year-old. It's my wife. She's shaking her head, sorry. <laughs> afraid. What are you afraid of? Maybe at a deeper level. I mean, there's some things on the surface. If you go and you research, we're afraid as a people of heights. I mean, yes. Uh, one, when I was a youth pastor, I was sharing some beautifully marvelous, amazing story with a youth group, and I revealed to them that I was afraid of heights because of Christmas time. My brother and I would decorate grandma's house, and when oh, I'm giving you teenagers ideas, I shouldn't tell the rest of the story. We would decorate the lights. My brother would get off the roof first and take the ladder with him. And so I had to jump off the roof every year, which led to a fear of heights. Don't do that, okay? Don't do that. Afraid of heights. We're afraid of public speaking. Hey, come up here. You would just share a word with us today? I had a public speaking class as a freshman in college. I was not living for Jesus. I did not have God's call on my life into ministry. Public speaking, that's useless. When am I ever going to use that? <laughs> the newest growing fear in our society today is a fear that is based in social anxiety. We've become so addicted to this or to this, we don't know how to interact with one another anymore. And so we fear one another. And one of the largest that has always been is the fear of death. When will it come? How will it happen? What happens afterward? To the point that we don't even talk about it. Some of you are uncomfortable even that I said it. Fear of death. As a church community this year, we have experienced it maybe more than we have in previous years. Even as recent, again, as this week. And almost every funeral or graveside, you'll hear these words read, and I want to spend a moment with them. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, God Emmanuel, God who is with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. A couple weeks ago, I sent out a little devotional for some of you to fill out, to reflect on these themes of Advent. Uh, Chuck Miller, who's one of our church volunteers here, he edits down the sermon every week and puts it on the podcast, puts it on the website. So if you've ever listened later online, Chuck's the guy you can thank for that. He responded and he wrote about the fear of death. He said, I used to fear death big time, but I have saved a lot of devotions from Our Daily Bread, which is a devotional uh, book, and my favorite devotional alludes to this Psalm 23, and I want to share this with you. It's so good. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, Chuck in his writing this week, he said, man, what I have feared, sometimes I fear shadows, 
Yet he writes, the shadow of a dog cannot bite you. The shadow of a gun cannot shoot you. For me, as I begin to think about hope, I begin to ask this question. I want you to reflect on this for yourself this week. Maybe talk about it as a family if you want to. When you think of the future, what will come? Do you, what comes into your mind? Like if you had to mentally assess and review, what comes into your brain? Is it fears of the future? Or do you begin to envision hope and what could be? Let me go back to my soccer for a moment. When you're thinking about, you watch the game because it's based in hope, maybe another goal will be scored. You're focused on the future, right? Yet many of us as we live our life are only focused on the moment. Here's where I'm at today. It's terrible, it's awful, it's busy, it's tough, right? We talk about the negative self-talk that we talked about last week. Or some of us, even as our life continues to move forward, we only focus on the past, Do you remember what happened in that event, what I did that was so terrible, or what happened to me that was so awful and so terrible? And not to diminish that this is real and it does affect who you are today, but could I ask you instead to just turn for a moment and look at the future? Don't you realize that God's best stories, how God makes himself known in the world, is by taking our failures of our past and turning them into beautiful future stories of the story he wants to tell in us and through us to the world that communicates hope and life transformation that is available for all of us. If we get stuck living here, stuck living here, and then we look at the future and, oh, I'm full of fear. What's gonna happen to my kids? What's gonna happen to my family? What's gonna happen with me? What if instead we begin to envision a different future? God, could you bring your hope? Could you change my family? I know what happened here. Could you actually use that for your story? God, could you bring about something new and beautiful and wonderful in my future? I have hope that Jesus can do it. Think of the future in this way. Secondly, even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, Chuck wrote this, this was so good. He said, we walk through the valley not to it or not in it. This is a hope that leads us through. Some of you today may be fear what you are walking towards. You know something is coming in the future. You've talked about it as a family. You see it coming at work. You know that there's something coming. Maybe it's a transition at home, transition at work. Maybe it's your kids growing up and you're afraid of what's going to happen. Some of you this year, you're afraid to walk towards facing the holiday without someone. For those of you that are walking in fear of what you are walking to, know that in confident hope, Jesus is the one that will see you through. Not just in or to, but through. Jesus' hopes gets us through even death. I think about this. Jesus has his band of followers teaching them Oftentimes they mess up. They don't understand what he's saying. They don't do what he's asked them to do. He gets to the point where the the public, the people that he has come to save, trades his life for a criminal. Give us Barabbas. We don't want Jesus. Jesus is taken. He is stripped naked. He's tied to a pole. He is beaten. He is flogged. He's taken to a cross that he has to carry himself up a hill. He is nailed to it, and then he is put on display in shame for all the world to see. Is there ever a picture of hopelessness stronger than that? Oh, Jesus, you you think you're the son of God. Look at you now. 
Oh, you've come to heal others. Why don't you heal yourself? That's what scripture says. They mocked him. Yet in the midst of hopelessness, a different God perspective. Where Jesus, even hanging on the cross, knows this is not the end of the story. This is a hope that sees us through even death. Jesus dies, they take him off the cross, they put him in the grave, all hope is lost, the disciples, they scatter, they flee, what has come? I thought he would, but he didn't. Hope is gone. On the third day, God the Father and the power of the Spirit raises Jesus from the dead, raises him to new life to never die again. And now he offers us the same hope. Would you believe, would you put your hope, your faith, your life, your trust in his hands? Live for him because he can do the same thing for you. A hope that goes through even death. First Thessalonians, even through death. And now brothers and sisters, church family, I want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died. So you will not grieve like people who have no hope. We grieve, but we have a certain hope that will see us through. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. For God himself will come down from heaven, commanding with a voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God. Those who have died will be raised, and together we will be with the Lord again. And we will be with him forever. Paul's last words in this, verse 18, so encourage one another with these words. There is a hope that will see us through. So we can say, Lord, haste the day, may it come quickly, where my faith, the things I believe about these things, will become my sight. Some of you recognize these words. The clouds will be rolled back like a scroll. Oh, the trump shall resound and the Lord shall descend. When Jesus comes back, even so, afraid of death, afraid of Jesus? No, it is well with my soul. So friends, today, if Jesus is the hope of the world, and this hope is certain, and this hope gets us through, here's my encouragement for you this week. Have hope and be hope. Have hope. Even if you're Galen, I'm not through it yet. I'm still in it. Remember, in the midst of what seems hopeless, God acts and God draws near. You're not in it alone. You'll never be alone. God is with us. He is for us. He's fighting with us. Place our hope in him. God, I can't see you and I don't know how. Get me through this too. Be encouraged. Have hope. And secondly, be hope. Be a little candle light in a dark world. Confident hope in Jesus will stand out against the backdrop of a dark world. People will notice. It's why Peter writes, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks. Normally when we read this verse, we're like, always be ready to tell people about Jesus. Always be ready to share your story. And that is all true, but look at the end of it. Always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks for the reason for the hope that you have. Man, you're going through this, but honestly, if I was going through what you're going through, I would be crushed right now. How are you doing this? Man, how are you still joyful? How are you still celebrating what was good and what we should be looking at was terrible? Why are you still confident? Ah, because my hope isn't anchored today. My hope is anchored then. Yes, I will grieve, but I will not grieve like those who have no hope. I know Jesus is coming again. 
so I can share with them the reason. And if you don't know the words to share, maybe just the three things from today. Jesus is the hope of the world. It's confident hope. It's a certain. It's not going away. It's not a whimsical thought. It is certain. And Jesus is our hope. He can see us through. And then be hope. We are called to be hope. Friends, if you show up and love people, if you provide for them when they need it most, when you help them walk through the hardest moments of their life or pick them up once they've completely fallen and begin to walk with them again, when we as the local church with Jesus living within us embody the hope of the world, the world will see light. And the world will come to know this Jesus. So even as we long for hope, even as we believe to be a people of confident hope in the midst of the struggle, the world can still see hope in a time of darkness. Do you bow your heads, close your eyes, pray with me. God, today I'm thankful that you are not the God who stays far away. You are the God who comes near, wanting yourself to be known as the God who saves. A God whom we can place, yes, our, our belief and our trust in, but we can place our hope in. That when we see and know and experience all that is wrong in the world, we look to you in hopeful anticipation and confidence, knowing that you will come to right every wrong, knowing that through you, in you and through you, the light of the world is coming into the world today. For the entire world, but maybe even for us personally. Friend, if you are here today, and you're saying, Pastor, I'm in it. I'm not through it. I'm in the darkness. I didn't need for you to explain that the world is a dark place because I know it. It's in my soul. It's in my mind. I experience it every day. Friend, can I invite you today to call on the name who is the hope of the world, to say, Jesus, if you are the God who saves, would you come and save me? because today I need it. Some of you, you know you're here. As the scripture said, I'm living in this world without God and therefore without hope, but I need this hope. I need this God. I need a relationship. I need God to save me. Friend, if that's you today, whether you've never had a relationship with Jesus or you've walked away and you say, I know I need to come back and love this God. Can I tell you that today, you can begin that relationship. Start out or start over. Jesus, save me. In just a moment, here's what I'm going to ask you to do if that's you. I'm going to ask you to simply raise your hand as a sign between you and God. All heads bowed, all eyes closed. I'm not going to open my eyes because it's not what this is about. This is between you and Jesus to say, God, save me. I'm coming home to you. I need this new life in you. If that's you today and you know the Spirit's working on you, feel that this was for you. Would you raise your hand right now? Three, two, one. Raise your hand. God, save me. God, I need you. God, forgive me of my sin. Give me new life. Give me a new hope and a new future. Rewrite my story for your purposes. Would you save me? And friends, for those of us who have been following Jesus, maybe even for a long time, just because we follow Jesus doesn't mean that we get to experience some perfect life in the here and now. We know Jesus' words. In this world, you will have trouble. If you're in the trouble today and you say, I need hope. Jesus, I need you even now. I know, I know you. I know I've been living life with you, but I need you in a new way. Would you come and save again? 
If that's you, would you raise your hand today? Jesus, I need your hope. Three, two, one. Jesus, I need you. God, I need your hope. I need a better future. I need change from where I'm living in right now. I need a hope that is anchored in a certain future, and I need a hope that will see me through. God, I need you. God, for all of us today, would you make us the people of hope that shines like a light in the dark world, that as we go, people would notice something is different that they would ask, and we would be able to give the reason for the hope that we have point them to you. May your spirit give us the opportunity and the boldness to do so, to be hope in this world. We love you, Jesus. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Hey, thanks again for joining us for the First Naz podcast. If you're interested in what your next step in growing your relationship with God might look like, I'd encourage you to visit us at firstnaz.cc engage, or you can download our app from the App Store, First Nazarene Church. And there you can let us know if you've made a decision for Jesus, or you can also find practical resources to help you grow closer to Jesus. I'd also invite you to subscribe to the podcast if you're not already to make sure that you've always got the latest content. And if you want to, feel free to share this on your social accounts. You never know who else might need to hear today's message as well. Well, thanks again for joining us. Have a great day.